Sal Barry. Art Ross was a great scorer back in the day when goalies didn't fall down to make saves. And Tim Parrish. Brett Burns' beard needs to have an award named after him. Yeah, Brett Burns Beard Award. I think they should go to somebody. We're going into ridiculousness over here. Going off the rails. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Welcome to another exciting podcast. I'm Sal Barry, and with me is Tim Parrish, and today we are going to talk about we're going to talk about some hockey cards, like I guess like we always talk about, but not just any set of hockey cards. We're going to talk about a set that is celebrating its 20th anniversary. Can you believe it? 20 years. I I can't. I can't believe anything ends up 20 years old. That makes it that makes it an antique, doesn't it? I. I I don't know. I guess it makes it a collectible, right? If we're talking about cards, which I never understood classic and collectible and antique and all that stuff, but I don't collect cars. I collect cards. It's world of difference there. Yes, there's a D. Yeah, and thousands, usually thousands of dollars more. Uh, I guess depending on the car or cards. These cards in particular, if you know, you probably already know what we're talking about because you, you read it in the title of the podcast. But we're going to talk about the 9697 Fleer Metal Universe hockey set, which has always been like one of my go to punchlines where I'd say, like, yeah, the design is terrible, but hey, at least it's not Fleer Metal Universe, right? Uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's a set I like to pick on, but. And I guess that picking on it is a little bit merited, but at the same time, it's, it, I don't know, it's it's kind of, it, it definitely fits in the era that it came from. That was, I mean, obviously the overproduction era, the late 90s, where there were 8 billion card sets that were out there. You know, the, the design was something made to draw people's attention, and, and that it did. You know, hockey wasn't the only set that, that had the metal treatment done to it it was uh it was across the board in baseball and football and basketball and i will tell you of all of the sets the hockey one is the most tame compared to the others why do you say that if you ever look if you look at the designs of the baseball and the basketball they're even more over the top than than the way the hockey set up I, hockey, the, 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 the right. base hockey cards i mean you have that that kind of foil Dufex or whatever printing technology that they use to 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 make that kind of iridescent uh, background, um, and most of the hockey cards, the background stays in the background. Mm-hmm. The foreground is the player that's kind of cut out, and and the focus of the card, and then you have this loud, crazy tie-dyed slash metal slash alloy looking background well if you look at the the baseball and the basketball versions the background actually takes over some of the cards and takes over the focus of some of the cards and even overlaps a lot of the the player photography on the fronts of the card well not to contradict you tim um, do you have the full set of uh, the hockey cards? I have the original 95 set. I do not have the, the 96 metal set. I don't have the entire Metal Universe set, no. Well, you know, it's funny because I kind of thought the same as you did. But uh, before us getting together to, to talk about the set, I, I have the set. I probably bought it 10 years ago. 
probably paid $8 for it or something. Put it in pages. Don't think I've looked at it since I've put it in the pages until tonight. I finally flipped through it. And actually, there are a lot of cards where the background interferes or overlaps or becomes the focus of what's going on. So let me show you a couple of examples here. And I will have... Uh, I will have these down below in the comments. Like, so here we have, um, this is Curtis Joseph, and it looks like he is being attacked by eyeballs or something. So you see, like, a lot of those floating eyeballs actually come up in front of him oh, on yeah. the card. And then here's uh, Dave Manson, and he is... Uh, He's uh, nuclear. He's nuclear, which is, you know, regarding how explosive he was, especially with the Blackhawks, I mean, where if he wasn't trying to, you know, beat up an opposing player, he was trying to beat up Mike Keenan. True story in uh, Jeremy Roenick's book, he talked about Dave Manson flipping out and chasing Keenan, and the only thing that saved him was that his skates were, like, untied, so, like, he couldn't run, like, Keenan could still run faster than, than Dave Manson with untied skates, but, uh, you know, so you got this, and then you got, like, this one is so crazy, I'm surprised I never noticed it before. Um, I'm going to have to make it a card of the week. So it's Steve Iserman, and you'll notice that on his front hand, he has like some sort of like wristband, like some sort of like computerized like wrist thing around his arm. And then you'll notice um, like uh, like on his helmet there's like some yes. cybernetic attachments and then there's like he's like shooting a laser out of his helmet yeah that one looks pretty weird i and think most of the base cards that i found and dug up there was i mean the background was loud and crazy like that but mm -hmm. it was kind of un unintrusive mm -hmm. compared to as i was flipping through I, I grabbed an old baseball book and i found a bunch of the baseball ones from the same year and mm -hmm. they were all like crazy i mean like the background was the foreground and the player was hidden and hidden somewhere behind laser beams and 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 rock slides and things like that here's one of theard and flurry and i guess he's like either those are really big plants or flurry has been shrunk down to size yeah but he's already small so. yeah yeah and here we have doug wait Another one uh, that's great is Doug Waite, and he's being accosted by, like, these metal um, appendages, like metal clamps or claws. I wonder if any of these players ever actually saw their own cards. I don't think the Players Association would have licensed them. Maybe this one of, like, Sandus Ozelinch busting through a brick wall. That's kind of badass. I mean, I would, I would want that to be my hockey card. Like, if I was a hockey player, I'd say, yeah, that's cool. But like that actually almost looked exactly like the background to the Stonewaller set from like I think it was Pacific Vanguard from like O two or O three. Mm -hmm. It had those bricks on the sides and like, but they were all goalies in that whole set. Yeah, I think the bricks. I mean the the, the Fleer or uh, Fleer score did that with uh, I want to say they're ninety four, ninety five or ninety five. One of those mid ninety sets had like a goalie subset where they had like brick wall with like with, like, graffiti on it, and it was, yeah. like, you know, and I just, I don't know, and then, I like, I'm looking, I'm just, like, looking through these, I mean, you know, you got, like, ones with planets in the background. Yeah, uh, okay. So, I mean, 
and, and it's the point. Right, of, you're right. You got me. Well, no, no, no. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. No. But there's a lot like that, though, where the planets in the background, or this one. I don't know what the hell's going on on Roman Vopat's card. It looks like a like something you'd see under a microscope, like all these little, like an. It's not an explosion. But speaking of explosions, like and then you got like this Felix Potvin card where he's like catching an explosion with his hand or glove <laughs> rather. So oh. the... I don't have any of these cartoony looking ones. I have all the ones I have are regular. Yeah, I mean, and, and so that's the thing. Like the set is just ridiculous. Uh, and I think at the time, I mean, so like '95, I was probably getting out of comic books. Like, I think it was at that point where I was like, comic books are a lot of money, and I wasn't enjoying them as much. But uh, the reason why I bring up comic books, though, is because I used to work in a comic book store. It was actually my first job. And uh, around the early 90s, what a lot of these titles did is they would do what they'd call the chromium cover, where it would be like this colored metallic, like, what did you say, duflex foil or whatever, where they would do, like, these covers that would, like, either have, like, a part of the cover or, like, the entire front cover, or they'd do, like, a wraparound cover where it was, like, like that on the front and the back. This just seemed right. Like, I mean, you had the same thing going on with the Fleer X-Men cards. Like, by right, I don't mean, like, this was a great idea. I mean, it fit in with everything else that was going on with the Chromium comic books and, like, the superhero cards. And, again, you had Fleer making, like, the X-Men cards and the Marvel Universe cards. So doing the superhero treatment for the hockey players at the time just kind of seemed like an idea that fit in. But, like, looking back, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. They've resurrected these designs with all of the uh, showcase releases that Upper Deck puts out. Um, I guess it still has the Fleer stamp on it since they have the the rights to that. But right. uh, Showcase comes out and always has a subset within the set, and it's usually one of the metal um, designs. Mm-hmm. Even though the last couple have been the '98 design, which there was no '98 hockey set mm-hmm. in metal, so it's more of a basketball design or a baseball design than uh, than an actual hockey design. But even the inserts are crazy, too. I mean, if you look at um, the set, I know the armor plate one, and we talked before about it. I found that that uh, Belfour that I was looking for. The armor the armor plate ones look like a gold bar with rivets mm-hmm. sticking out of them, and they're actually raised. It's raised printing. It's almost like it's embossed. Um, you know, the, there's the cool steel uh, subset that uh, also has raised printing and has all sorts of... Um, like a metal looking, like that metal sheet metal mm-hmm. in the background. The lethal weapons one uh, subset is is also kind of embossed looking. Has the little gold foil stamp in the bottom corner. I like the ice carving set. Those are hard to find. If you ever go looking in, you know, the nickel, quarter, dime boxes and whatever, you don't find these very often. Um. I think that's a really cool set. It's more of a hologram kind of looking background with mm-hmm. uh, the, with the player kind of focused in the foreground. Mm-hmm. I always liked that set, but I've never been able to find uh, very many of them. I don't have any of the insert sets because I wasn't really looking for them. I think 
I think there's just, I mean, you know, going back to like when you said uh, the dime boxes or quarter boxes, I mean, I think one thing that's funny is, especially since I quit collecting or slowed down on collecting for a little while, is that there are cards that I just, I come across that I've never seen before. And like, I'm looking at some of these these uh, FLIR inserts now, FLIR Metal Universe 96-97. Now, uh, it should be mentioned that this was FLIR's second hockey card set to use this metallic printing process. They did a, a set in 95-96 called FLIR Metal that had like metallic backgrounds and, and really shiny cards. And they're, they're kind of similar, but they're not as ridiculous. Um, looking at it now, and I'm just like, yeah, this one just seems okay. Like, I think it's it's kind of tame in comparison to the other ones. Oh, by far and away. It's, it's more the silvery background. Yep. The player takes the focus of the card. Yep. You can still see the actual background of the photo that it originally came from. Yes. So most of the shots have the players with the dasher boards behind them. And, you know, very unobtrusive down in the bottom corner, you have kind of a shaved metal cutout where it shows the player's name. And, you know, the insert sets from, from the first year, if you look at that, there was the heavy metal insert mm-hmm. set. Yes. That's more, that's more along the lines of what the, the 96, 97 sets look all look like as far as base cards go, mm-hmm. where you just have the player cut out and the background is just some crazy explosion design. It's, that's, threw up all over the place but now speaking of that funny that you say that threw up all over the place so getting back to the 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 fleer metal universe cards had reached a point where like you know they got more and more designed where basically you know in the early 90s it was like hey not just a, a a a plain photo on the front and like maybe a headshot on the back but then it became let's put a better photo on the front let's make the card more exciting let's make the card more crazy let's cut out the player because we can let's do all these different backgrounds because we can so then it then it became well let's print the whole set as uh you know on this foil because we can you know it it just became like this natural progression but if you think back i want you to think of these three things think of the fox track puck think of the third jerseys and think of fox's coverage of hockey at the time in, in america and this set like totally the coolest f- game on ice yeah but it totally fits in because if you think about like if you remember like those intros to like uh nhl hockey on fox they had like some computer animation where like a guy would check another guy into the boards and like his face would like distort all funny like cartoony and then like there was another one where like Jeremy Roenick checks a guy and he like falls to the ice and like explodes into like a thousand shards of glass. Do you remember those? Yes. Okay, yes. and then of course you remember the the glow puck because I think I bring it up at least you know six times a year. And of Do you course- know how many people tell me? that they want the glow puck to come back because they have a hard time following the puck. You know what I say to those people? Get a bigger TV. I I say good day. I say good day to you, sir. I say good day. Uh, No, you want to know? I'll say this. I think now it's easy to follow the puck because you have high definition. Uh, I have a big enough TV the older TVs, and this is this is actually true though, because of the old technology where it would use like those vertical, uh, excuse me, those horizontal scan lines, right? Like you'd have the scan lines, and what would happen is when the puck 
would get shot really fast. Sometimes the puck would not, you wouldn't see it because of, you know, the way the TV broadcasts work, right? Right. So it, it would be possible because I'm not going to get into the whole like three to two pull down and all this archaic video technology stuff that you probably don't care about. But like it was possible for the puck to actually disappear when it was passed hard enough, shot hard enough because of the technology. So that glowing blue dot always showed you where it was, even if you couldn't see it for a split second because it moved really fast or even if it was obscured by the boards. I, I think it was great. I'm not trying to change the subject to Foxtrack because I could talk three hours about that. I don't know. I mean, you think of that and you think of like those Mighty Duck jerseys and like those Kings jerseys and then like even like the Islander jerseys, even though those weren't third jerseys. But you think about just how outlandish the NHL was in the 90s and these cards fit right in. They feel at home. They do. And going back all the sets that are out there, this is an unofficial count, but I see 31 official card releases in hockey that year for 96 97 wow 31 wow that's 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 over all brands and that's only major nhl endorsed releases so that doesn't count any of the other bs stuff that hit the market or college or any of that other kind of stuff so that's like talking like upper deck and upper deck collector's choice and and fleer and fleer ultra and fleer metal universe and and, okay any any of the major releases from the major manufacturers at the time i'm counting 31 that's unofficial but it gives you an idea that if i'm getting 31 and i may have missed some it just gets bigger and, you know, what's funny, too, is that that's not even counting. I mean, Pacific wasn't even making cards that year. Not yet. And for hockey, I mean. And and they, they put out, like, a lot of hockey sets. Oh, yeah. Uh, when you, you know, 97, 98, you started seeing the first Pacific. And then 98, 99, there was Pacific everywhere. That was back when, I and I remember, you could still find a substantial amount of hockey cards retail. And most of the most of the retail stores that sold like the Kmart's and the Walmart's and 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 those type of stores had a fairly large selection of hockey still on their shelves. And Pacific dominated. I mean, there there were five sets at a time that you could pick from. Wow. The base set, Paramount, Adrenaline, Revolution. I can't even name them all. There's so many. Right. And, you know, it's funny, and, and I talked about when I stopped collecting for a while. So, like, 97, 98 to, like, 2002 were probably, those were the years uh, that, I, that I stopped collecting hockey cards. Like, I literally, like, by 19, by, like, fall of 97, I was so up to my ears in Star Wars. Star Wars action figures were really... Well, two things, Star Wars action figures and starting lineup hockey figures, which could be the topic of a, of a future show. In fact, we should do that because I still love starting lineup figures, even though they are so like dated. But those are like the two things I was aggressively collecting and like hockey cards. I think at that point I was just like, I just wasn't into them anymore. Like, I liked them. I wasn't going to sell any of my old cards off, but I wasn't going to, like, go out and start collecting all these Pacific sets. In fact, it was funny. I remember, I don't know if it was in a magazine or if if I was at the store, but I remember saying, huh, Pacific makes hockey cards now. 
Like, and I thought of them as a football brand. So I was just like, huh, that's interesting. And that was about the extent of it for like, and I think in like 2000, I think I bought a couple packs of like Upper Deck, uh, what was their retro set? Was it Upper Deck Retro? Retro? Yeah, Upper Deck had Retro and Tops had Heritage. Yeah, so. I always flopped the flip-flopped those two in my mind because Upper Deck just basically ripped off Tops designs right. for their Upper Deck Retro set, so sometimes I kind of confused the two. But like I remember like going to like a, a Toys R Us and I'm like, I might buy some hockey cards just to get back in touch with one of my former hobbies, right? Because at that time I was like hardcore Mr. Action Figure Collector. And like I remember buying like two packs of uh, Upper Deck Retro. They were like blister carded. They were like they were two individual packs, but then they were they were on a bubble and a, a cardboard backing. Yeah. And it was like two packs for like three ninety nine. And I was like, four dollars for two packs. I, I was just incredulous. Like I was like I was just like I I I can't afford this hobby anymore. I'm just yeah. gonna stick to Star Wars figures. Yeah, now now you're lucky to get one pack for four dollars. Tell me about it. Yeah, I I I don't know. I mean, and, and it's funny because people who collect stuff, they kind of drop in and out of collecting for different reasons. I mean, I talked to you. I talked to a lot of people who kind of started collecting and then they stopped collecting and then they started collecting again. And for me, it was like when I went to art school, I didn't have the money to collect trading cards. None of my friends were into it, but I had friends who were into action figures. And, like, I, my money needed to go to other places, you know. Whereas, like, you want a $5 action figure, you buy it, you go, okay, now I have Han Solo. I don't need Han Solo anymore. Check that one off my list. You could spend $5 on hockey cards and not get all the cards you need and still need a bunch of cards. And then, like, go and spend another $5. You could spend $100 on, even back then, you could spend a lot of money on one set and not have everything, where it was a little bit easier to be a completist with toys. It's just like sticking your money in a slot machine at a casino. It's the same thing. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Be like... Sometimes, sometimes you go on a streak and get everything you need, other times you don't. Depends Depends on the sequencing, I guess. Exactly. If you were going to give Fleer Metal Universe a rating from 1 to 10... Or let's say, well, let's say one to five, because I do, I do my five puck rating on puck junk. One to five. What rating would you give it the year it came out, and what rating would you give it now, like in hindsight, like back in ninety five, ninety six? What were, were you like twenty at the time? Eighteen. In ninety six. Yeah. How old were you? I was twenty one in ninety six. Uh, I would be nineteen. Okay. So, what would nineteen-year-old Tim give these cards in 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 uh, out, of, out of five? You could do half too. You could say like four and a half or three and a half, or one. Back, back then, I liked them a lot. Okay. I just I thought they were cool. Um, so I probably would have said they they, they weren't my favorite, but I would probably give them a four. Okay. Back then, we're talking overall, not just like certain aspects. Yeah, just overall. I mean, overall, I'd probably give them a four. You're gonna like some cards more than the others, or whatever. Yeah, if we're talking today, I'd still still be. I don't know. I still might be pretty close. I'd say maybe I'd go three because I like the year before set better. Uh huh. (laughs) The one that I didn't want to talk about because just because it's probably it's not as loud. Uh-huh. And I think it 
it, because it was the first to do that, I thought it was a lot more uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it hadn't the, the train hadn't gone off the rails yet. Let's put it that way. OK. You know, it was just starting to you were like, wow, this is kind of interesting. And then the next year it comes out and you're like, what in the world? Right. So, yeah. So I'd probably give it a three in today's standards, but a four back then. I think for me, like back then, I probably also would have given it a four. Um, I mean, by 96, 97, I mean, by that point, we had seen um, such like Skybox Emotion. Remember that? Yes. With the close up shots and the, the, the different words across the middles of the cards. Yeah. Yeah. Like like uh, Hustlin' or uh, or Focused or right. uh, Squids on Paul Coffey's cards, which made no sense. Yeah, because it should have said octopus. It should have said decaf. But anyways, uh, (laughs) but uh, anyway, I think back then, this is a set that if I was giving it like on a five puck rating system, I probably would give it four because it was creative. It was colorful. uh, It it was interesting. It was different. Uh, I mean, if you think about like you had upper deck, you had Score, you had Donruss, and all those sets looked different, and they might have had different cards, but they all more or less did the same thing, right? Action shot on the front, some stats on the back, another picture on the back, maybe some text on the back, and this, like, really went out there. So, I think back then, I would have given it about a four, or actually back then, I probably would have given it maybe, maybe even a four and a half. Just because Ooh, four and a half. Well, I mean, then again, I mean, because I think about it, like when I when we think about like what other sets from '96 do you remember the design of really well? Like you say, oh yeah, that's a '96, '97, blah blah blah. Um, I like the Leaf Limited set. I don't know if you remember that one. It was like like almost silver hollow foil, and the only thing you could really see on the card was the player, because everything else was so foil. In your face, foil. Okay, I think um, I remember that one. I mean, I probably know it if I saw it, but I, yeah. Yeah, like that's that's one that I remember from that year. That was also the very first year I ever bought SPX. Oh yeah. I'm not I'm not sure if that was the first year it was out or not, but that was a, I know that was the first year I bought it because they were the uh, they were all die cut and they were kind of rounded off, and they had the hologram picture of the player that. Okay. Ninety yeah. percent of them, you couldn't even tell who the player was. Yeah, you're. You know what? You're right. That's that's actually a really memorable design. Um, yeah. That's another example of just how over the top cards were becoming by then. Where where upper deck was like, oh yeah, well well we're gonna we're gonna put a hologram on the card and, and we're gonna make it die cut. You know what I mean? Like like they were like doubling down. Like like. Well, and that's the thing with upper upper deck was the originators of the hologram on the card. I mean that's that's their thing. Yeah. And they've they've done so many so many years they made, you know, you figure the original release they had those hologram cards that you know, you you'd sit there and debate with your friends who you were actually looking at on the card. I mean, you could see their body and occasionally get a glimpse of what the what the uh, logo was on their uniform, but their face just looked like a smudge. And then the next year they they redid them with the award winner holograms. Yep. And I think they did well with those, but you know, they always had that hologram thing, but it's like okay, we've done holograms now for 6 going on 7 years. It, you know, that was that was their thing. So, you know, metal, it was different. It didn't fit within the pack. 
I think they fit eight of them in a pack. Yeah. So um, getting getting back to my ratings. So yeah, I think back then I would have probably given it a four and a half just because it was it, it fit in with the times really well. It was loud. It was colorful. It it was different. It was unique. I think now today I'd give it a four. And I think the reason why I'd give it a four, even though I like to make fun of it because it is, it, it's funny. The reasons in the '90s that I would have given it. Uh, a high rating are the same reasons I make fun of it for. But that's kind of like what you do with your friends, right? But, like, I think with this set, I would see it as it's just, like, one of those, maybe not a landmark set, like a 91, 9091 Upper Deck. Not even an important set, because it didn't really change things. It was just, I don't know, and it was kind of typical, but I think it was definitely a high watermark for just how wacky things got. So, I mean, if you're somebody who wants something different, I think this is way more interesting than just buying, like, the score set from that year or the the, the leaf set from that year. But then again, I can't re- really recall those um, designs off the top of my head. Score in 96, 97? I'm trying to think. Oh, I think they look just like the baseball ones. All right. Yeah, they were they were uh, they are unobtrusive, like totally unforgettable, totally forgettable. Right. Yeah, from that year, but yeah, I mean. Th- oh yeah, those, I'm looking at ratings... them right now. They're they're okay. They're nice design, but eh, yeah. you know. Donruss were the ones that had the little medallion in the center on the bottom. Yeah, I'm looking at that. Um, that had the little Donruss logo at the or little uh, logo at the bottom. Yeah, the only reason why I'm remembering all of these is because the room I'm sitting in has giant, giant piles of, of stuff everywhere that I've been trying to organize. And I've been trying to organize them by year, by set. And they've been going in boxes so that I have everything and I can find it quickly. Mm-hmm. And uh, the I'm at, I'm at about the 95-98 point, and there's just piles of it everywhere. So that that's the only reason why I remember a lot of these, because I've just recently looked at them. Gotcha, gotcha. Didn't, I think, uh, the 2012-13 FLIR Retro, that also used the um, uh, FLIR Metal Universe set, didn't it? Yeah, but like I said before, it was the it was the 98 design, which there wasn't a hockey version. So they used the same design that, that was in the football and the basketball sets. Because okay. the, first, the first FLIR Retro... Oh yeah, the original design, and then the second Fleer Retro used the '98 design, which didn't even exist. So, mm-hmm. and I think part of the reason for that was they they wanted to throw back the uh, those precious metal gems cards mm-hmm. that you used to find in the basketball mm-hmm. uh, that are you know people would pull those cards and be like, oh cool, it's all green or all red, and they were pretty rare back then. And now when you find them, these cards are like buku bucks because they are so rare and and those inserts have kind of disappeared so they they threw those if you look in the FLIR retro or showcase or whichever one you were looking at mm-hmm. they add those which didn't exist in hockey back then there were no precious metal gems for hockey in those original metal sets yeah there were no noise boys either yeah that was basketball yeah i know that, that really pissed me off the noise boys <laughs> I'm waiting for Upper Deck to release a, a hockey insert set called Gridiron Greats. Uh, wait, that's football, right? Well, yeah, of course, but, you know, they don't know that. 
<laughs> yeah, they don't. They don't know that. See, because they want to be able to, they want to be able to reuse the ninety-seven, ninety-eight Fleer Ultra Gridiron Greats football insert design. I don't know if that's a real thing. I just made that up, but it probably sounds like a real thing. And then just use it on hockey cards, right? We'll have like we'll have court kings, which also makes no sense. We could turn we could turn that into a whole podcast on its own. Dumb names for subsets, like um, creases the word. Is that wait really? That's a real thing. Look it up. I I think I think if we're gonna like the 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 two I think Panini was the worst at this because they went with alliteration like a hundred percent of the time. So I didn't like chemistry on canvas, but then I really didn't like leather larceny. Oh yeah, leather larceny. I actually the name is stupid, but those cards were cool because they had that leather feel to them. They were kind of neat. Well, chemistry on canvas were cool. Yeah, except, those were canvas cards. Yeah. yeah, and they were like paintings. Right. But then they crapped them up with like, they had to slap a Pinnacle logo or whatever on it, and then they had to slap chemistry on can Like, literally, like all four edges of the card, or at least the two that I have, have like some crap on them. Like, they couldn't just say, oh, here's this painting of these two players who play well together. It had to be like, and then we're going to put our logo on it, and then we're going to put our brand logo on it, and then we're going to put the player names on it, and then we're going to put all this other shit on it, and then you're not really looking at a painting anymore. Now you're just looking at a bunch of crap with, you know, maybe something that looked like a nice picture, but, you know, just got overrun with with logos. 10-11 Panini Zenith is where creases the word came from. Is, so okay, I'm so not getting get that. To, you Ex- get a chance to look that up. Explain, explain it to me. I, I mean, like, why, why would that? I don't get that name. You don't get that phrase. I don't get it. So obviously, so, obviously, you've never seen the movie Grease. No, I, I haven't. I, I've, oh. uh, I have not. Well, the the theme song of Grease, written by Frankie Valli, is basically Grease is the word. Uh-huh. So instead, they call it crease is the word, and they feature a bunch of goalies. So I think it's like a 10-card or 12-card set, and it's got all goalies. Who is their target market for that? Because I remember, like, my sister... Hockey collectors that like show tunes. I remember my sister and, like, her friend in high school, like, best friend, watching Grease. Like, and I went in the other room because I'm like, I'm not watching this. And I like shuffled off into the other room, probably to sort hockey cards or something. I'm just like, this looks dumb. And that was the end. That's as far as I got with Grease. So uh, hockey card collectors who like show tunes, that's a very niche market. It is. It's very, very small. Very small. Although the even smaller market would be the hockey card collectors that like Grease Part 2. Okay, well, I didn't know there was a Grease Part 2. Yeah, it's got Michelle Pfeiffer in it. I'll just take your word for that. <laughs> so have you heard of Youngblood? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, I think, uh, I, I think that's a good way to end it here. So thank you for listening to us for the past 30-something minutes. And if you collected Fleer Metal Universe back in the day, or if you're building the set now, leave a comment. Let us know that you actually listened to this and it's not Tim's mom listening 36 times. I, I, I got news for you. It ain't my mom because she barely knows how to use a computer. 
for more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk.